It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live, I think, from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caliger, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Dot com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week uh, television channel. That's right. Check out Billy C. Boxing on TV. All the major streaming services carry us, Roku, etc., etc., etc. Just visit GinecoUSA.com uh, to sign up for free and check out where you can watch us. That's GinecoUSA.com. Or just click the uh, banner up on BillyCBoxing.com. And finally, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are so sold, <laughs> including barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Uh, just uh, go there and get a copy today. Anyway, uh, a little discombobulated today, uh, running late because of uh, some technical issues. Um, and uh, uh, we'll see what uh, happens. Uh, I don't know if it's being uh, actually uh, recorded today or not. Uh, we'll see. I know uh, all my radio uh, stations will be getting uh, the show, so uh, I'm not concerned there. But uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, everybody else, we'll have to uh, wait and see, won't we? But uh, in any event, um, I wanted to talk about uh, some stuff uh, with, uh, with the show today, of course. Um, some fight results that took place, uh, some big news for us, some sad news for us. Uh, all of that stuff is uh, coming up uh, a little bit later uh, on the show. Um, first and foremost, I, I want to uh, start the show on a sad note. Um, my co-host, Sal Rocky Senecola, in case you've uh, noticed he hasn't uh, been around, um, is uh, battling an illness right now. And we are going to reach out to him uh, at some point today, this morning, and get his thoughts uh, on the big fight that's coming up, uh, Canelo uh, versus Daniel Jacobs. And speaking of Canelo versus Daniel Jacobs, uh, one of uh, the big news that we had that we've been talking about, we wanted to talk about it last week. Uh, we didn't because of the holiday, but we're going to talk about it today. Um, this show, Billy C. Boxing, uh, talking boxing with Billy C., uh, Billy C. Boxing, the Billy C. Morning Show, the Billy C. Show, everything that you want to call it, uh, will be live in Las Vegas for the uh, Daniel Jacobs-Canelo Alvarez fight. That's right. We are going to be part of something that I, I think is going to become a regular occurrence. Um, they have what they're calling uh, Radio Row or Podcast Row. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, shows are going to be there, and we're going to be part of it. On Thursday at the MGM Grand, uh, we will be broadcasting most of the day, as is the case with 
uh, our show, we like to be uh, tops. So we plan to go on air uh, sometime around 11 or 12, I would say 11 a.m. Uh, Vegas time. So that's, what is that, uh, Pacific time. Um, and go right on through uh, 5 p.m. Uh, Western time there, not Eastern time. I'm going to be all messed up, but um, we will be doing that. We will have some great guests. The lineup of guests are unbelievable. So you're going to want to definitely check this out. Um you know, for sure. Dax is going to be there. Alex Papali will be there. We wanted my man Sal to be there, but uh, he can't really uh, travel right now. So hopefully the next time he will uh, uh, be there. So just uh, stay tuned. Check out the website for information. Uh, Dax is going to be doing some social media. We want you to join us. I'm getting some information on uh, the public uh, accessibility to the event. Now, don't fear because we will be also at the weigh-in. And we will be at the show itself, the Canelo uh, um, uh, Daniel Jacobs event at the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, so we will be uh, there getting uh, recording, film, and interviews, etc., etc., that we will play uh, at a later date. So we're real excited uh, about this. But uh, first and foremost, uh, let's get the ball rolling here. Uh, Nonito Donaire. Uh, knocked out his late sub, uh, Stefan Young, yesterday in the World Boxing Super Series in the Bantamweight division, uh, retained his WBA belt. Donaire now 40 wins, 5 losses, uh, with 26 of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, also on the card, um, Regis Progress uh, improved to 24-0 and, and uh, picked up the WBA strap uh, with his win, uh, knockout win over Kirill uh, Rilke, uh, it was one minute and 36 seconds of uh, round six. Some other fights from yesterday I just want to give you results on. Uh, Robert Easter Jr. Uh, and Rancis Bartholomew uh, fought to a draw. Uh, 21 wins, one loss, one draw. Now 14 knockouts for Easter. Bartholomew, 27 wins, uh, one loss, one draw, and 14 knockouts as well. The way the judges scored at 115-113 for each of them. And the uh, other judge, of course, had it. Uh, 114, 114. I have never seen um, as many draws as we've been having uh, lately. And I, it just it just seems that when you see uh, something related to PBC, uh, you end up seeing a draw. It's, it's sickening. It's sickening. Uh, and what's also sickening in that particular fight were the fighters. I mean, come on, you're fighting for a world title, all right? You're fighting for a world title. It was a vacant world title. Uh, both of these guys were former world champions. Both of these guys should be hungry for a world title. And both of these guys didn't fight like they wanted to win. Neither one of them did. This looked like it was a sparring session. This looked like a, hey, what do you feel like doing? I don't know. Let's throw some jabs at each other. What a boring fight. What a boring fight. Um... The re one of the reasons why I think the Brits carry boxing uh, on their shoulders, on their back, if you will, is because they're not afraid to fight each other at a young age. They recognize, the fans, the media, the networks, etc., they recognize that a fighter can lose a fight and not be done and not lose markability. So what do they do? They actually create more fanfare by putting young fighters in with each other earlier on. 
than we do here in the States. Uh, in the heavyweight division, Daniel Dubois improved to 11-0 and uh, when he knocked out Richard Larte in the fourth round uh, Saturday night in, uh, in London um, at 1 minute and 50 seconds. But here's the thing. Um, the Another uh, hot prospect in the heavyweight division over in England is Joe Joyce. Guess what? They're planning on fighting each other. You know, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be, in my uh, opinion. And speaking of heavyweights, uh, American heavyweight FA uh, Algebra improved to 10-0 and with nine knockouts when he scored a second-round uh, stoppage over uh, uh, former German champion uh, Mikhail Wallach, who dropped to 19-2. and uh, The official time was 1 minute and 40 seconds. That was on the uh, uh, undercard of Victor Polstol's 10-round uh, unanimous decision win over Mohamed uh, Minomi. Uh, to improve to 31-2 and two with uh, uh, 12 of his knockouts. Uh, some things I wanted to touch base on real quick, and you guys knew I would, and then I'm going to take a break and get uh, my man Dax on. Um, Jarrell Miller, okay? <laughs> now, you guys know. You, you, you guys know how I feel about Jarrell Miller, right? Um, you know, I, here's, here's the thing that, that, that bothers me. Um... You know, Jarrell Miller talked all kinds of crap. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. I mean, all kinds of crap uh, this guy talked. And um, what what do we get? We, we get this guy failing the drug test, not once, and but twice. He loses his opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua. He cried and said, I, I don't know, I didn't knowingly put... And then when the second t test came out, he at least admitted it, um, you know, uh, that he did uh, uh, indeed uh, cheat. Uh, you know, he, here's the thing. A guy like Jarrell Miller, who talked the smack that he did, um, I, it, it, it boggles my mind how he thought that he would get away with it. Now, I, I, I have purposely stayed away from trying to get too deep uh, into, uh, uh, you know, uh, performance-enhancing drugs in terms of what's what and, and everything else. Um, but I, I do want to know, um, you know, um, what, uh, what was he thinking? I mean, give me a break. What was this man thinking when he was taking the same stuff uh, that uh, the bicyclist uh, Armstrong was using, it's just just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And uh, I got to, to let you know that um, Anthony Joshua's promoter as well, Eddie Hearn, says I can't believe it. Now here's another little twist: they offered a fight to uh, Luis Ortiz, five million dollars. Uh, I I think that's more than he's ever made before, and he turns it down, and says Nah, I want ten. What an idiot. Luis Ortiz. I, I, I can't understand that. You know, I, the, the thing is, is everybody's acting like Eddie Hearn. You know, you, you're going to get a buku dollars if you fight one of his fights. You know what? Just because Eddie Hearn was smart enough uh, to position himself where he's at now, to align himself with the zone, et cetera, et cetera, and do all the things, sign all these fighters. Does he have a lot of power and juice? Of course he does. Of course he does. But that doesn't mean that fighters should, uh, you know, try and take advantage. I mean, uh, Luis Ortiz lost a $5 million 
uh, payday by holding out. Now, chances are he, he may be able to uh, get another shot, but they're already talking to Andy Ruiz Jr. as a possible substitute. Make no mistake, Anthony Joshua is going to fight uh, in New York uh, in May. Uh, but uh, who's he going to fight? We'll, uh, we'll have to see him, unless that fight's in June. I think it is in May. I think it's the end of May. Uh, anyway, some other news that was a little shocking. Um, you know, uh, Triple G uh, split from his longtime trainer, Abel Sanchez. I'm a little surprised uh, with that. Um, I guess uh, it had to do with money or, or something. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a big mistake. Big mistake. Um, but, uh, anyway, listen, we're going to take a short break. And, uh, when we come back, I, I'm going to, uh, have, uh, Dax Khan, uh, on the phone. And, uh, we are going to start talking, uh, about the event we're going to be doing, uh, and, uh, give you our breakdowns and predictions, uh, of the big fight, Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, going up against, uh, Daniel Jacobs. And I got news for you. Um, this is a really good fight, and it's not going to be a one-sided fight. Trust me, it, it is not. Uh, Canelo Alvarez has bit off uh, more than he possibly can chew. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, Dax Khan joins us. Uh, so uh, uh, don't go anywhere. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now is my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Hey, good morning. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, better than, uh, better than this, my system seems to be doing. I don't know what we're do where we're going here. I know, I'm, uh, I know the radio stations are getting us and everything, but... Uh, uh, you said we're okay on YouTube. I don't even see us up on YouTube. I know we're up on Facebook. So what's going on, brother? I don't know, Bill. You never. You're, you're like one of my kids. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it wasn't me. I didn't. I didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, my kids say the same thing. Well, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I sat there and watched you do it, yeah. Bill. I'm listening to you. Screw it up. I don't know. I, it's <laughs> been. It's been very uh, nerve wracking. Well, anyway, I, I made the announcement earlier, so uh, whoever is watching or listening knows that you and myself and Alex will be out in Las Vegas for the big Canelo. Um, Daniel Jacobs fight. I'm really looking forward to it. You know the deal. What's your thoughts real quick? On the fight itself or just the trip? Well, just the trip first. We'll break down the fight in a second. Hey, the trip is more important to me right now. No, that's obviously not true. <laughs> no, but. no, absolutely excited for the trip. It's going to be great. You know, we have a lot of uh, big-name guests that are coming on the show. We're going to keep, you know, quiet until then. 
Um, you know, so uh, unfortunately, Sal can't come with us, like you said, but it's going to be a great time. And anybody that's out there, you know what? If you're a fan, you watch the show all the time, stop by the booth, and maybe you can come on the show and you can give your opinion. That's what we're going to be shooting for. We're going to be uh, uh, shooting for uh, having people join us uh, and all of that stuff. So I, I'm really uh, uh, looking forward to that. And, of course, the fight at the T-Mobile T Arena. Uh, I've never been there, so uh, I'm uh, really psyched about that. Uh, as far as the fight itself, I know you and I talked a bit about it uh, off air, um, and we're going to be talking a lot about it uh, coming up uh, over the next uh, week. Um, but what's your early thoughts of the fight? And I'm not going to hold you to your official prediction until we're out in Vegas, uh, but, um, but what, what do you see as pros and cons for both fighters here? Well, first I want to say is that you know, this has a genuine middleweight unification title feel, meaning that, you know, you're actually excited for it because neither one of these guys, do you sit there and say, well, they're both good, but fighter A is not in fighter B's league, even though they're both champions. You know, this right here is really hard to pick. You know, there's no catch weight. Uh, there is no A-side because both fighters are with powerhouse promoters. Uh, Daniel Jacobs has a large following, not quite as big as Canelo's, but, you know, Jacobs has really become one of the sports premier fighters. And I don't mean PBC premier, you know, the organization that he left, but I'm talking about where Daniel Jacobs has really just become one of those fighters that is at the top of his game, that when you, when you talk about the best in the sport, you think Daniel Jacobs automatically. Um, you know, just like... Canelo, they both faced Triple G and actually in the fight with Triple G, I think Daniel Jacobs in his fight with Triple G did a lot better than Canelo did in his first fight with Triple G. You know, Daniel Jacobs, he only has two losses in his career. He has that Pierrug loss, which was literally a career ago, and then he has that Triple G loss, which was very close, and he had pushed Triple G to his limit. Um, you know, that's the first time we had ever really seen Triple G push that hard. You know, Canelo has been on a chair, but you know, let's be honest. You know, other than the Triple G fights, you know, he's fought Rocky Fielding. He fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who was nothing more than a punching bag, not Canelo's fault. Um, you know, he, um, he had the Liam Smith win. But, you know, Canelo has not really been in a fight of this magnitude, meaning somebody that is this size, somebody that is at this stage of their career, and somebody who is a little bit faster, somebody who is just a little bit more well-rounded than Canelo. And, you know, so I'm going to have to, I'll say now, I really think if all scores are fair, I think Daniel Jacobs is going to outbox Canelo. And what people do forget is Daniel Jacobs, if he hurts you, he's an incredible finisher. He's one of the best finishers in the sport. You know, I, I tell you something. I've looked at this fight, and, you know, you and I have talked, and, and I've said the same thing over and over uh, about Canelo. And I really think that his... Uh, his weakness, so to speak. And, you know, I, there's no doubt. If you look at Saul Canelo Alvarez's uh, resume, the last nine uh, years, nine years, uh, since his win over Carlos Baldemir, he's really, you can make an argument for him, Dax. And I know you, you're, you're just as critical uh, as I am, uh, maybe not Oliver on the same things, but you, you're, you're, you're just as critical as I am in, in a lot of areas. And, but when I, when I look at the, uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez's career over the last nine years, since the win over Baldemir, it would be hard to argue that the man has fought um, the best opposition available, at least 
in, in, in two forms, either current talent level or a big name, maybe not as good as they were. When, when you look at all of the names, and I, I got to give him credit for that. He doesn't seem to be ducking anyone. This Daniel Jacobs fight uh, is, is a clear in, indication of that. But of all those fights over almost a decade, and then, of course, you know, you could really uh, take it from the Floyd Mayweather fight in 2013, which is six years ago already. He hasn't improved on his weakness. And that, my friend, uh, as I've told you many times, is that when he's moving and boxing, he can't land a significant punch. What he does is he doesn't, he never hurts his opponent. When he hurts his opponent, he's in front of him, planted, and lets off uh, some body shots or whatever. Um, I think that that lack of his ability to land a significant punch on the move, like all great fighters have done in the past, is going to be his Achilles heel, uh, so to speak, against Daniel Jacobs. Because you know what, Dax? Daniel Jacobs can land significant punches on the move. Yes, he can, and we've seen that before. And Daniel Jacobs has transitioned a lot after the Triple G fight to where he's become more boxer than he has puncher, even though he has incredible power in his hands. Now, Canelo, though, one thing you have to say about him is, yes, no, he's not good at fighting backwards. He does have to plant his feet before he lands a solid shot that you know can really hurt an opponent. But he is one of the best counterpunchers in the game. His counterpunching ability has risen levels, in my opinion. And right now, I really don't think there's too many guys in the sport that are a better counterpuncher than him. But uh, you know, unless his feet are planted and he's able to do that counterpunching, you know, against a guy like Jacobs, who is much bigger than Canelo naturally, who is a hard puncher, who's able to go, um, you know, and fight all those different styles, it's going to be very hard for Canelo to do that. So, now, just to address somebody in the chat room who's talking about, um, you know, the scorecards and Adelaide Bird judging the fight, you know, shook my head. Me and you spoke about that the other day um, off air about Adelaide Bird being involved in this fight and a lot of the complaints with Adelaide Bird and fights in the past. But, you know, Adelaide Bird, believe it or not, when Canelo fought Amir Khan, Adelaide Bird is the only one that actually had Canelo down on the scorecards at the time of the stoppage. I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time giving her any credit. Um, I do I do too, but I'm just saying, you know, with Adelaide Bird, you never know what you're going to get. Just because she's in there, it's not guaranteed the score. Her scoring is going to be, you know, the worst scoring. Um, what do you think? Let, let's get back to the, to the fight real quick. Um, not that that's not related, but let's get to the fight real quick. Do you think that the height and reach advantage for Daniel Jacobs is going to really come into play? I mean, considering that uh, Canelo Alvarez is a vicious body work uh, fighter, you know, he, he could lay some, some uh, vicious body shots on his opponents. Um, and, and considering Daniel Jacobs has hand speed, Probably more than than Saul has has faced, and 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 I say that even knowing that he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, who who clearly has hand speed. Floyd doesn't. Floyd moves too much. I think that Daniel Jacobs, his hand speed is going to be more effective because he's bigger, stronger, and going to be right there. How, do you think that the size difference is going to come into play? Daniel Jacobs knows how to use his size properly, and that's going to be the difference. Now, Daniel Jacobs is no Rocky Fielding, who I believe is actually bigger than Jacobs physically overall. Um, you know, so Daniel Jacobs, and that's what 
the difference, and that's what separates him, is the fact that he knows how to use his complete package. And even though Triple G cuts the ring off better, and Triple G, you know, is a harder puncher, you want to say, in um, terms of one-punch ability, Daniel Jacobs is more rounded than Triple G was, and the infighting is what allowed Canelo to do, be so successful against Triple G. Daniel Jacobs isn't going to allow him to uh, infight, and Daniel Jacobs is not going to allow him to plant his feet. Daniel Jacobs is going to keep turning him, and Daniel Jacobs, if he hurts you, I stress, if he hurts you and he gets you on those ropes, Daniel Jacobs will finish you. A lot of people... I know that they say now Peter Quillen was overrated, and maybe, yes, he was a bit overrated, but I always use that fight as a prime example. Peter Quillen, the moment he was hurt, Daniel Jacobs did not let him breathe, and Daniel Jacobs stopped him in tremendous fashion. And look for that to happen in this fight if Canelo should even be slightly buzzed. Canelo has been buzzed before, and the movement of Miguel Cotto, a blown-up 140-pound well past it, Miguel Cotto, and that's no disrespect. I love Cotto. He had a great career. But if he couldn't stop him with his movement, how is he going to do that to Daniel Jacobs, who's much larger, much stronger, moves moves uh, you know better around that ring, and who is in his prime and only getting better? That's, you know, I, I mean, there is an age difference. Um, Saul Alvarez is four years younger, but all of a sudden he's 28 years old. He's been in some big fights. And Daniel Jacobs, who's 32... Uh, seems to have been getting a, a little better. Uh, listen, do you feel, w w forget about all the BS, do you feel that Danny Jacobs has to knock Saul Canelo Alvarez out to get a win in this fight? I mean, uh, we, none of us really want to think that. None of us hope that that's the case. But in all honesty, do you think that that is the case? I really don't think so, considering the way boxing has been recently. We've seen Charlo lose to Harrison. We've seen a lot of uh, fights that where guys, we figure, are always going to get that judge's nod, lose fights. So I don't think so. If it wasn't for the fact that Eddie Hearn is involved and it wasn't for DAZN being involved, I could maybe say, you know what? They would because they have nothing to lose, but we know this sport right here, a lot has to do with not who you know, but more or less who you blow, if you want to be honest, and that's what happens in Vegas, and right now with Eddie Hearn and so many fighters and Canelo on that same network and that pool of other middleweights where any of them could be matched up all on that same network, I think we're going to get some honest judging here, but again, I won't be surprised if we don't get honest judging. You know, um, when I take a look at the middleweight division, it's a glamour division. Everyone uh, kind of loves this division, or at least I do. Uh, heavyweights, uh, middleweights, welterweights are, are always the glamour divisions or have been uh, for a long time. But uh, let me ask you a question. In all honesty, could the middleweight division be in its weakest point in a long time? And, and before you respond, if you take Saul Canelo Alvarez – Triple G, Daniel Jacobs um, added a mix, those top three. The next guys you got are Charlo, Jeff Horn, Lemieux, Deverinchenko, Demetrius Andrade, Rob Brandt. I mean, it's not a chock-full-of-talent division, or at least we don't know because a lot of those, those guys, the Charlos and the Lemieux, well, not Lemieux and Jeff Horn, they fought some named people, but... Uh, Demetrius Andre, I mean, some of these guys haven't really fought the names that the top three have. 
This is true. Demetrius Andrade, I give him a pass only because of his promoter and promotional issues that we've had in the past. Remember, his promoter is the reason why he lost his first world title because his promoter just could not get the paperwork in order. But other than that, when you look at that division, take out Lemieux, okay. But, um, you know, Ryota Murata, despite that loss that he suffered to Rob Brandt, is definitely a top fighter. Maybe not an elite fighter, but he's a world-class top fighter. Rob Brandt, the only loss he has on his resume is to that mu is to the much more experienced multi-time world champion Jurgen Brommer, and he learned a lot from that Brommer fight. Rob Brandt right now is the guy that's starting to come up high onto the um, into his own more or less, you know, to say uh, with his punch output. Survey Derevchenko, his fight against Daniel Jacobs was a learning experience. Derevchenko is a guy who, again, because he doesn't have a lot of experience as a professional, is not that well-rounded, but he's definitely a top talented guy. Charlo is, you know, a top fighter. He, um, we've seen a lot of weaknesses with him in his last fight against uh, Matty Korobov. But, you know, again, we also do know that Charlo was sort of less more or less hand-fed a lot of his opponents in the 154-pound division. Golovkin, he's on his way out. But, you know, a guy who I also think is underrated in that division is uh, Slewecki a lot of times. Slewecki is very uh, quality, as uh, a top-quality fighter. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the division, yes, you know, it's starting to fade. It's weak. But right now, if you take those four guys that we mentioned, the other three, I think the division is very solid. And a lot of those 154-pound guys are going to have to move up very soon. Jared Herb is not going to be able to stay at 100. 54 pounds much longer and and you know uh so on and so forth you know so the division look for it you know to get a lot better well i hope it gets better um you know i don't see an infusion of a lot of young middleweights coming out i see welterweights i see a lot of good heavyweight you know young heavyweights or at least you know, um, I don't see an infusion know, but, of a lot of young middleweights uh, coming out. I, I see, see welterweights. I see, I see a lot of good. Future. I see Jaime, uh, Jaime Muniga is going to have to move up very soon. You know, he can't make that 154. Heavyweight, um, you know, young heavyweights. Jerry Hurd, as I mentioned, I believe he's going to move up very soon. Um, I think Jermel Charlo was going to move up very soon as well. So, you know, maybe Tony Harris might move up as well. So, you know what? Don't, um, you know, Carlos Adamas, you know, he's going to move up, I believe. So, you know, that division soon is going to be chock full. You know, these guys that are 154 pounds, the fact that they've been able to remain at 154 pounds so long is amazing. And guys like a Jarrett Hurd or a guy like Jaime Muniga, if they still continue to try making 154 pounds, they're going to tax their body to a point where, you know, it's going to shorten their careers. Dax, before we let you go, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, Jarrell Big Baby Miller uh, episode. We didn't get a chance to talk. Actually, I want to get your thoughts on two things. First, the Jarrell Big Baby Miller, all the smack talk that this fraud, and I've been calling him a fraud for a long time, uh, did. And then he gets caught not once but twice uh, preparing, obviously preparing for, for Anthony Joshua. Uh, he, the only good thing is that he owned up to it finally when he knew he had no place to run. But what's your thoughts on this? After all this stuff that he says in the media and – you know, I've been very critical of all these fighters that just, you know, try to self-promote. You've said it yourself. We, we get it with Deontay Wilder. They self-promote. They say outrageous things to try to get attention and stuff. And Jarrell Miller is no different, um, you know, saying how bad of an ass he is and all of this stuff. I was pissed that he was ranked as high as he was uh, by uh, the sanctioning bodies and the computer. Uh, only to have uh, him test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, lose his uh, uh, 
uh, opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua, lose his opportunity for a huge payday, and lose a lot of credibility, which I didn't think he should have gotten in the begin with. But right now, I, I think it would be very hard for even his biggest fan uh, to sh show uh, support. What, what's your thoughts on the whole uh, outcome with uh, Miller? You know, the first test, you know, with the G, uh, the GW 15-16, you can kind of say, all right, maybe even though he should have known that they were on the Vada ban list, you know, you can uh, claim ignorance on that. It was a stupid move. But then that second test, when he po uh, tested positive for HGH, you know, there's no doubt about that now. There's no way you can make an excuse for that. You know, but in terms of, you know, career-wise, even if you went in there, you fought Anthony Joshua, you lost in four rounds or five rounds, your career's not over, you lost to arguably the best heavyweight in the sport today, you're still going to be a top name. It was a humongous payday. It was the type of payday that, you know what, even if after that fight you decided you didn't want to fight again, you're set for life. You know, your kids are set. You, you'd be able to open up a business. You know, it, that's life-changing money. So I don't really understand why you would do such a thing to your career. It's foolish. I mean, it, it really is. It's foolish. It's insane. And right now I think Big Baby Miller is walking down the street kicking himself with one foot every single step he takes. I don't understand why you would do that. It, it, it's beyond me, it, especially when there's so much money involved. Why would you do that? And now, no matter what he does, even if he becomes a clean fighter and he goes out there and he performs well and he actually dominates and lives up to the skills that he claims he has, nobody's going to take him seriously, and it's going to always just be a downhill, uh, yeah, you know, a downhill race for now, uh, for now on for the rest of his career. You know, Miller, he just really just totally blew it. I don't understand why or how you could possibly do that. On the other hand, though, I don't understand how Luis Ortiz, at the tail end of his career, turned down more money than he'd ever making uh, that he's ever made so far, not to face Anthony. Joshua you know I don't know what goes through these guys minds one last thing um, Triple G kicks uh, uh, Abel Sanchez to the to the curb um, it shocked me a guy like uh, Triple G who's on clearly on the downswing of his career uh, who's been working with Abel Sanchez for so long I, I can't see how another trainer could step in and, and be successful with Triple G especially at this stage of his career, I, I I don't I don't get that. To me, that that is one of the most perplexing moves uh, that I've seen in a long time. And don't get me wrong, we've seen fighters uh, you know kick their trainers, longtime trainers, to the curb many many times. But I'm not so sure I've seen it with such significance as this particular duo. I mean, Abel Sanchez and Triple G have been very successful. Every time I've watched a fight specifically the two Canelo fights where we're all screaming from the couch for Triple G to throw more punches. Well, that's the same instruction Triple G is getting from Abel Sanchez in the corner. And to turn around and, and get rid of this guy, I mean, is it a case where he just wants to be, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather-esque, meaning that he controls what's going on in the corner? I mean, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I really don't know. And First off, I do agree. It's foolish at this stage of his career. You know, there does come a point in time in a fighter's career when you have so many fights, 
Um, you know, you take Triple G's almost 400 amateur fights. You take his pro career. There's not really much any trainer can teach them. You know, they 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 pretty much learned all there is to learn. Bernard Hopkins is a prime example. The guys that worked his corner towards the end, they were there to work his corner, maybe give a little bit of extra advice, but you weren't teaching Bernard Hopkins anything new. Same thing with Triple G after all this time that he's been in the ring as a professional and an amateur. The separation, though, at this point in time is foolish because a lot of guys are going to sit there and question exactly what really happened, who's telling the real story. And when you're 37 years old, the tail end of your career, and there are a lot of younger upcoming prospects, any top trainer is really going to question working with you. They're going to say, into this guy knowing that he's had problems with his long-term trainer when I have so many other prospects that are on the rise that can really benefit from my knowledge. You know, then on the other side, like we spoke about before, Abel Sanchez, we've heard this before from Kovalev. You know, you, have, you can say, okay, maybe it's one guy or maybe two guys that are just unhappy and they're just not cooperative. But, you know, when more than one person complains about uh, somebody or trainer, especially somebody that's been together a long time and they had that much success, you have to really wonder, you know what, is it really the trainer or is it really the fighters? We never know. The only people that do know is Abel Sanchez and Gennady Golovkin. So, you know, I, I really have to reserve my opinion on that. I would uh, would have been nice, you know, for Golovkin who only has three or four more fights left in his career at that top level if they stayed together because you're right they made a fantastic team very and last thing yeah before we go just you know i just i have to mention bill we spoke about this before i was so impressed with the performance of juan francisco estrada on friday night against sorung visai the way he dominated a genuine legitimate top 10 pound for pound fighter and you know what uh, estrada is a guy who has even in his losses he's never been dominated some of them were very questionable tell me your opinion on that does he deserve to be in that top 10 pound for pound spot i think he does uh, estrada you know he had a he had that one poor outing but i i think that uh you know, I, like I told you yesterday, Rungzavel, I, I think his his he had um, Chocolito's number. I I think that you know I, I don't know. I, I give Francisco uh, a lot of credit as far as pound for pound. You know, I like the small guys getting an opportunity because of the lack of publicity, but. Uh, I mean, it's a good argument, brother. It, it really is. Well, Rung Visai universally recognized at the lower part, you know, usually around 9 or 10 on that pound-for-pound pound list. So, you know, uh, Gonzaga, I mean, um, Estrada, you know, should he be able to take over that right away considering how dominant he was? I mean, that was a one-sided fight. The other thing we spoke about and we were saying about judges before, usually we complain about this wide score of 117, 111, or 118, 110. You know, that was the first time that I've ever remember being on social media or listening to a broadcast team saying they can't believe that every score was not that wide yeah well that this is my this is my point about about judges boxing has become you know you got to knock your opponent out to 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 clearly win or knock them down a few times um you know it, it was evident uh in in the fight that that got me yesterday uh last night the robert easter fight um, you know, both uh, Easter and Bartholomew look like they didn't want the fight. You know, they're both fighting for another chance at a title and, and they're playing pitter-pat with each other for 12 rounds. I mean, uh, you know, what, what, the fighter has to want the fight. The fighter has to go in there 
uh, and, and win. I think just across the board, fighters have a tendency today to fight a little too cautiously, like they're fighting multiple fights. Like like these those two last night said, oh, we want a rematch. Who wants to watch that? The rematches are only good when the first fight is exceptional or, or something fluky happens, you know, um, like the Daniel Jacobs, Sergio Mora fight. Uh, you know, with the with the leg injury, etc. You know, there, if something crazy happens. You want to see a rematch, or a great fight. You want to see a rematch, or a controversial ending. You want to see a rematch. When you see a snooze fest, that's the last fight I want to watch again. What do you think? Those two, the signing of the fight didn't excite me at all. Um, you know, Robert Easter, you know, was a good fighter. He's never been an exciting fighter. Same thing with Bartholomew. Bartholomew, um, his fights always end up painful to watch. Due to there's always some kind of drama, whether or not it's a lot of holding, whether or not it's, you know, uh, an awkward style. There's just always something about the fight, even when it's, you know, going smoothly that makes you turn your head. But I'll be honest and I'll keep to my word. And I said this on social media. I did not cover the fight. I did not watch the fight. I won't discuss the fight simply because Terrell Williams was on the fight. And any promoter that has Terrell Williams, one of the dirtiest fighters in the sport, especially after what he did to Pritchard Cologne, I will not watch or support their cards. That's a good point. Dax, can't wait for Vegas next week or this week coming up. Um, looking forward to uh, doing that show and uh, hanging with you and Alex. And uh, me, me and Alex will be there this week. And you know what? Next week you let us know where you've been. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the day, everybody. Sounds good. Dax, take it easy. That's uh, my man Dax Khan. Uh, as usual, uh, loving to uh, bust my chops here. So uh, uh, I'm not going to uh, – uh, take a break. Uh, we are going to get uh, uh, Alex uh, Propali on the line here, uh, get his thoughts uh, about uh, uh, what's going on with uh, our event. But like I said, uh, in case you're just tuning in, we were having some uh, uh, technical difficulties here. Not not me. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It really wasn't. It was uh, our streaming service. But uh, uh, we will be doing this show. Uh, the, bo the bottom line is this. Um, Golden Boy is promoting uh, the big fight, Canelo against uh, Jacobs. And uh, what it's going to be is they have, uh, obviously, you know, the fight Saturday night at the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, you can watch it on the Zone. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, it's definitely worth the 20 bucks a month. Um, so, uh, you know, all of those happy things. And, and what's happened lately in the last, uh, I guess it's been about the last 10 years, the weigh-ins are always a big show. So uh, uh, you got Friday and Saturday. Uh, in Las Vegas, the weigh-in show that's going to be broadcast, and then of course the uh, main, the, you know, the main show, the event, Canelo uh, uh, Jacobs on Saturday night. But no, wait, there's more, ladies and gentlemen, because now what we're going to be doing is a, I, I don't know, they used to call press row, or 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 uh, in this case they're they're labeling it podcast row, and there's in the MGM uh, Center there is going to be a uh, a, a bunch of uh, Basically, TV and radio shows, mostly radio. We're, we're one of the only TV and radio shows. Uh, actually, it's mostly podcasts. But uh, uh, in any event, we will be doing our show on all of our um, platforms, uh, being TV, radio, uh, podcast, internet, uh, YouTube, etc., uh, live on Thursday. Uh, we are going to try to get on live as early as possible. I, I am actually still a little bit in the dark with uh, the accessibility to our area, uh, you know, set up and all of that. But I am shooting uh, for 
um, 11-ish, 11 a.m. Uh, Vegas time, uh, Pacific uh, time. Uh, so that's what, 11, 12, 1, 1 p.m. Eastern time to go live. And we're going to go right through uh, right around 5 p.m. So we're going to have a series of guests. And the lineup is unbelievable uh, of some of the people. I mean, just some of the names that will be joining us. Uh, of course, Oscar De La Hoya, Bernard Hopkins. Uh, we got Roberto Duran. We got uh, Vitaly Klitschko. We got... Uh, Miguel Cotto. I mean, all these people are going to be joining us uh, as well as I'm trying to see if the public is involved because I'll have some of my own uh, people that uh, are out in Vegas come and join us. So you're definitely going to want to tune in uh, to uh, to this and we'll be hitting it with social media and everything else. If you can't be out in Vegas and join us, make sure you get this fight. It's going to be a good one. And uh, joining me right now to get his thoughts is my man, uh, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. So what do you think? What's your thoughts on the trip? I'm very excited. Uh, I can't wait. Um, I have not been back to Vegas. Uh, I haven't been to Vegas in 13 years, so I'm really looking forward to going back. And um, the last time I was out there was for uh, Mosley De La Hoya 2. So uh, this will be cool to... Um, 13 years, I'm sure the strip has been torn down and rebuilt all over again. Yeah, it uh, has. Maybe more than once, so but, I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, it's funny about Vegas is the first time I ever went, I, I, you know, I could talk about it now, I wasn't really legally old enough to go. I, was, I think I was 18 or 19. And it has changed so much in those 78 years. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the, truth, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is one thing I remember uh, back in, in the 80s, uh, the first times I went compared to now, and I haven't been there in about five, uh, five years um, at least. Um, back in the day, Las Vegas, the casinos would compete with each other. In other words, you could get, if you gambled uh, enough, you'd get comped rooms. Uh, they had buffet. I'm not a big buffet guy, but buffets... They would, you know, nine ninety. I remember Caesar's Palace, nine ninety nine. You go in there and they're slicing fresh turkey and roast beef and all this. Stuff. I mean, anything you can imagine. And then they would be competing, you know. And over the years, it went up a little here and there. But the last time I went to Ve and the rooms, you could get rooms dirt cheap and stuff. Last time I went to Vegas, there's no more of that. <laughs> you want to go to Vegas? You have it, it, it's like you know gold plated. Everything's expensive. You know all the old places that used to be old are just not there anymore. They like nobody renovated anything. They just knocked them down. You know, and it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see any changes that have taken place in the last five years. But I'm psyched, brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I think for some of those, I remember one trip we went, boy, this had to be back in like 1999 or something. I remember we, we went to uh, Slots of Fun because Slots of Fun had a couple of specials and penny slots and stuff like that. And, and that's like in the older, older section of Vegas, the old strip. Downtown, yeah, down like near the Golden Nugget. That a lot yeah. of that's still a lot of that's still there. But uh, you know, the penny slots are always such a scam. You go to a, a penny slot and you figure, oh, 
well, I'm just going to play the penny slots. I'm going to save some money. The problem is, by the time you have all the crisscrosses on the screen, you can't even see it. You're dumping in five bucks every pull. You know, I mean, it's like, it's not pennies, man. You know, it, it's you're getting paid in pennies, but you're laying out more than that. I, I like the dollar slot. If I'm gonna, I don't even like slots, but if I'm going to play slots, I'll play the dollar slots. You know, uh, Vegas has 50 cent slots, which are pretty cool. But uh, I'm a craps guy, man. I like playing craps. Uh, I like uh, uh, occasionally if I want to slow down a bit, I'll, I'll sit down at the roulette wheel. Uh, and, 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 and I like to, you know me, man. I like to, you know, maybe sip on a scotch every now and then, you know, so stuff like that. I, I'm looking forward to it, but it's all work. Hey, whoa, whoa. You're talk, you know, you sound like you're, you're going there to have a good time. I'm going there to work. We're going to do this. I couldn't even get this show to come on the right way this morning, let alone what I'm going to be dealing with there, man. So uh, let's talk a little about the fight itself. Uh, we'll get your official predictions uh, when we're out in Vegas this week, but uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez going up against Daniel Jacobs. I love this fight, Alex. I think that it's going to be a, a tough night for Canelo. Um, you know, I, like I was saying to Dax earlier, uh, for all due respect, Canelo in the last nine years has fought the best of the best. Um, I think that the middleweight division is a little weak, and I think that he happens to be fighting uh, the other top middleweight aside from Triple G. What's your thoughts on, number one, the middleweight division in itself, and number two, how do you see this fight going? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that that's um, something that uh, we got to give Canelo credit uh, for. I mean, I think that's one of the that's been previously one of the knocks on him is that he sort of uh, developed as a fighter in public. So some of his uh, opposition um, in his early years was, you know, less than spectacular. And like you mentioned early he, earlier, he's got a lot of great names on his record, but he he faced them when they were on the back end of their careers. However, you can simply not say that about him anymore. He has gone 24 hard, hotly contested rounds with the other best middleweight in the world, and that's Triple G. And he's come out arguably ahead, and now he's facing the other uh, great, the other best middleweight there is, who also gave Triple G a hard time. Uh, and, and I believe took away Triple G's mystique because before uh, the Canelo fights, I thought Triple G's mystique kind of faded significantly the way Danny Jacobs gave him trouble. And I think that Danny Jacobs has that ability to give Gennady, I mean, to give Canelo Alvarez trouble as well, uh, like you and Dax were just talking about. I think the big thing is that Daniel Jacobs is a mover. Um, that's what really gave uh, Golovkin some difficulty. Canelo's going to have to walk him down. Um, now, maybe he can, but we haven't seen him do that to a bigger, stronger, athletic guy like, um, like Jacobs. Uh, you know, I mean, he did it to some degree against like Julio Cesar Chavez, but Chavez is... Chavez Jr. is nowhere in the same league of athleticism as Daniel Jacobs. I mean, you know, Daniel Jacobs is going to be there for 12 rounds. And uh, his, you know, unless uh, uh, Canelo is able to kill that body, um, Daniel, Daniel Jacobs is going to use his legs and his brain. Um, 
So I do see this as as a, a strategic fight, um, and I I do think it's probably going to go the distance. I just looked at um, BoxRec, and they don't have Adelaide Bird listed anymore. So I wonder if um, if uh, Eddie Hearn protested that decision um, because yeah, I'm not sure Adelaide Bird. Um, I wouldn't be comfortable with her as a judge only because of that really out of whack card she delivered in the first Triple G fight. 118-110 just was a little too much. Um, so it could be that they they got her removed because now BoxRec is saying uh, it's uh, Dave Moretti. Um, I'm sorry, let me just look quickly. Dave Moretti, Glenn Feldman, and Steve Weisfeld. So uh, they're bringing out another uh, Connecticut guy in Glenn, Glenn Feldman. But since since we got you going out there, it was one too many Connecticut guys going out there. I mean, come on. But no, I I maybe, could uh, maybe me and Glenn could carpool to Bradley. Yeah, um, I think uh, I I think it makes sense to 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 get the best possible judges. But you know, that's a gutless, spineless piece of garbage. Bob Bennett's decision. But uh, um, you know, the truth of the matter is. Is that Canelo Alvarez, like I've been saying for years, his weakness is, everybody knows what I say, the guy cannot land significant, what I mean by, uh, you know, a, a damaging punch on the move. And most boxers can. When you go through the all-time greats uh, and you can go down the list in any division, most of them had learned to, uh, you know, land a punch on the move. Whether, you know, you watch a guy... Uh, like uh, Lomachenko, uh, you know, he, he's moving in and out, side to side, uh, circling around you, and he's still landing solid punches. Canelo can land punches, but they're they're not damaging unless he plants his feet, and then he's textbook, and that's when he delivers those body shots you speak of. That's when he gets his knockouts, when his opponents... Uh, you know, uh, oblige him and stand in front of him, or if he can get his uh, opponents against the ropes or in the corner, um, or, you know, wear them down so they can't move as much. But in order to wear a, a fighter down, you have to land punches. You got to get inside, you got to avoid their shots. Um, defensively, Saul Canelo Alvarez has never really, I've never thought of him as a, as a slick defensive fighter. Um, Daniel Jacobs has learned a lot. Uh, he's a bigger guy. He's got a uh, you know a three and a half inch height advantage. He's got a two and a half inch reach advantage. He's got hand speed. He's got power. Nobody can deny his power. Um, it, it, his biggest weakness, in my opinion, is his trainer. I, I think his trainer Andre Rozier is Daniel Jacobs' biggest weakness. And the reason why I say that, after I give all the accolades to to Danny Jacobs right now, is his trainer isn't he's a zen he thinks he's it's all you know mental at times you have to give uh more instruction uh and uh i don't know if i'm just wrong and the instruction is being done like it's supposed to be in the gym and they're just carrying out a game plan uh during the fight which is which is really the smartest thing to do and maybe i'm the idiot maybe andre rosier is a great trainer um but i think daniel jacobs is a great fighter versus having a great trainer there's been reverse you've there's been many times when you look at uh look, look at what manny stewart did for lennox lewis um i can't wait to see dax's face when lennox lewis is sitting with us in vegas but uh uh you know lennox lewis needed a guy 
like Manny to bring out the best in him. Manny Stewart brought out the best in Klitschko. You know, is Andre Rozier the guy bringing out the best in Daniel Jacobs? I, I'm not so sure, Alex. Yeah, uh, well, and the other thing to remember with Manuel Stewart is um, I wonder if we were to ask Lennox Lewis when is the angriest they ever he ever saw Emmanuel Stewart, and it was probably, uh, for most people, it was probably during the Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson fight when Lennox was still intimidated to go in and just knock Tyson out when Tyson was just a shell in front of him and Emmanuel Stewart flipped out on him in the corner and is like, what are you waiting for? You got a dead man in front of you. Um, but, that, uh, that sounded a little like, that sounded like a little like Rocky. The uh, Rocky's <laughs> know. good. Sorry about you know. that. Uh, uh, but wait a minute, wait a minute. The maddest, the maddest I think I've ever seen. I want to give a shout out to my man Johnson who just gave us a, a super chat. Appreciate it. Now, hey, now we'll be able to have uh, a coffee when we're out in Vegas. People got to hook us up with super chat so we can afford to, to eat while we're out there. But uh, um, how about what was the fight? that Manny Stewart was doing commentating for, and he freaked out. He was so mad. Do you remember? Uh, he was, he was, it was the only time I've ever seen him get mad, even as a trainer. He, I, I can't remember the fight, but he was so disgusted with the, with the outcome um, that he just went on and on and on, so unlike Manny Stewart is. Do, do you remember? I don't remember, no, but I, I remember I remember his, oh, disgusted, Oh, when uh, Mayweather knocked out uh, Victor Ortiz. And I also remember his, oh, my God, when uh, Victor Ortiz and Andre Berto had that back and forth um, slugfest in uh, in Connecticut here. Um, but, yeah, he um, I don't know. I guess my point about bringing that up was just that uh, as much as, you know, the trainer is so important. Uh, the fighter still has to do the work. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that instant there with uh, Emmanuel Stewart and Lennox Lewis, uh, Lennox was, you know, he was painting the house nicely, but he needed his trainer to say, hey, Tyson's done, close the show. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, Rozier and uh, Jacobs have, have worked so far. And I, and I think that's the big thing with trainers. And that's the weird thing about... Um, the Triple G Abel Sanchez thing is that in terms of historically, uh, it's hard not to think, at least for me growing up, the biggest example of, you know, a trainer fighter relationship that had some magic to it. And then once it was gone, you never recaptured that magic was Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson and Kevin Rooney. He was never the same fighter after he after he uh, got rid of Kevin Rooney. So you know, you wonder is that going to happen with the Triple G? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's always a strange thing. I think in terms of Jacobs and Rozier, they work well together. Uh, but yeah, when it comes down to it, Canelo has shown us that he can do almost anything in the ring. So I think if he at least in those two Golovkin fights, he showed us that he could hang back and he could counterpunch and he could let the other guy lead and he could make a damn close fight as some people did think he won the first one. And then in the second fight, he showed, oh no, I don't have to lead. I'll come right to you. So um, 
I don't know. Uh, this is going to be interesting because uh, the movement is the big factor. Uh, Canelo has just what you need to slow movement down, and that's um, really, really dangerous body punching. So this is going to be a fun fight, I think. That, that's for sure. Another uh, super chat. I want to give a shout-out to my man, Joel. Uh, everybody's... Uh glad that we're going to be in vegas i hope you guys come out come on out if you weren't going to go to vegas now you got the real reason to go we're going to be there forget about canelo and and uh daniel jacobs we're going to be there man come on and see us yeah. and make sure you go see the fight but uh right. if, if uh if the gambling the uh <laughs> the prostitution the little marijuana the boxing if that wasn't enough for you we'll be there we'll be there that's right you know i mean they don't call it sin city for nothing you know but uh uh in any event um, Alex, what's your thoughts on the big baby Jarrell Miller thing? You knew I was going to ask you. You know how much I love the guy. Um, what did, what has this done to him now long term? Because personally, I hope I never see him uh, ever again uh, in the ring. You know, I was very disappointed uh, with my fat brother because um, I really wanted to see that fight. I... Um, I like uh, baby, Big Baby Miller because he was sort of in this mold of like a, a Tony Tubbs type fighter who's a big, a portly guy who lets his hands go uh, and has surprisingly quick hands. But now we know that maybe they were sort of enhanced. Um, at least that's the thing that you when, when they pop a dirty urns. And he didn't pop one. It was two, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the funny thing is, after the first one, he goes, this is a travesty. It's an error. I don't know how anything got in my system. And then two days later, uh, by the way, uh, you tested bad again. Oh, okay, I'll come clean. I knew it. Yeah. I did it. I did it. I made a bad decision, you know. So that didn't so, help, though. So you do, at least for me, I wondered, because the thing that was strange about him was he seemed to carry so much body fat and yet was able to have endurance that you wouldn't expect carrying that much weight. Um, you know, do you wonder, it's easy now to say, well, that's because he was chemically enhanced. Um, because one of, uh, one of the chemicals evidently was for endurance. Um, and, that's and, and recovery, and recovery too. Yeah, and I mean, when you think about it with boxing, those are probably the substances you want, is endurance uh, more than you know, the sort of like just plain power because, you know, power is great if you get the if you get your hand to the target. But, you know, I think endurance is the thing that's going to serve you better in a boxing match uh, traditionally. Um, I mean, but I guess maybe Juan Manuel Marquez would argue with me. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, in all due respect, as much as uh, Jarrell Miller is not one of my faves, um he never tested positive before that I know of. So, you know, really he could say this was the only time. It was the biggest fight. Uh, I was fighting a guy I knew I didn't have a chance against, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he tried to get the edge. So I, I don't know uh, about that. But uh, I, I say good riddance to him. How about Luis Ortiz, a guy, actually, you called uh, one of, I called two of his fights, and I think you were definitely there for one. Um, we saw him early on. We both liked him. Uh, I've seen him live a bunch of times uh, aside from those two. But, uh, um, you know, he gets the call to fight Anthony Joshua to step in. They offer him $5 million. And he says, nah, I want 10. 
And uh, Eddie Hearn hung up the phone, and now it looks like Andy Ruiz Jr. might get the call. Um, what's your thoughts on him turning down uh, that fight? I mean, did you catch some of my comments about how these opponents, when they get a call from Eddie Hearn, how they might be overpricing themselves? Because it's pretty obvious that Eddie Hearn's the man right now in the sport of boxing. Yeah, it certainly seems to be. Um, and I do think that... Um, yeah, I, I don't understand it um, in terms of logic. Um, you would think that Ortiz, I mean, unless he has heard whispers that the a, a potential rematch with Deontay Wilder would make more, I don't get why he would turn down $5 million, um, especially uh, to be able to fight, you know, in New York and um, against a big name like that. But I guess that's the thing. Nowadays, they want the the event itself to be the business opportunity. They don't want it to lead to more opportunities, uh, which makes sense because, I mean, this is a dangerous sport. You could get killed in there. So I don't know. It's um, it's disappointing for me because I, I would have liked to see that. It would have given us a good um, – a good measure um, to see, well, how does Anthony Joshua do with Ortiz? Because we've already seen how um, Deontay Wilder does with him, but now we're not going to get to see that. Um, I think that's disappointing, but um, I, I'm not too shocked he priced himself out of it, uh, but it is certainly disappointing, and it is one of those things, what are these guys thinking? Is he, son is he, is he aligned with uh, Uncle Al Heyman? You know, I don't, I don't know that he is, um, but I think that it's probably one of those things. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Because that would be the only explanation um, that he, uh, you know, because it seems that Al Heyman's guys, unless they're, you know, being hand-fed a, a cupcake or fighting another Al Heyman guy, they are always outpricing themselves. It's like they're avoiding fighting outside of the Al Heyman world. And, you know, what, what boggles my mind is why. Because if they were making the Buku dollars, you know, I could see it. But they're not. Deontay Wilder has left, you know, million, millions and millions and millions of dollars on the table um, to avoid the fight. And now Luis Ortiz is doing the same. I mean... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, as much as I love Anthony Joshua, I don't look at him as invincible like I did w with Mike Tyson at one time, you know. So um, I, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah, I mean, I do. I wonder if um, if there isn't the hope that if they stayed, that, that that's what he, this is purely supposition on my part. But if he's thinking, well, that's too dangerous of a fight. If I hang around, um, with the PBC crowd and just price myself out of this, it looks like I'm interested, but um, I still protect the ability to uh, hang around and maybe get the next fight um, with Don, uh, Deontay Wilder after he fights Brazil. Um, and then I get a lot of money for that. I, I don't know what these guys are thinking because it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I would think you'd want... Uh, but again, that is a dangerous fight. So maybe, you know, uh, uh, a guy like Ortiz wants to think of himself, um, you know, as not as a replacement opponent, 
he wants to be a star attraction. So, uh, you know, rather than just say no to the fight, well, pr price yourself out. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and then cry that you didn't get what you deserved, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, in any event, Alex, I, 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 well, I got a, I got an appointment. Did you make the dinner reservations for us or what, man? I, I will do that today. Uh, yeah, you know, I, you have two places on your on your list that you have to do, and the other ones will play by year, you know. But uh, I mean, come on, man. I mean, you I know. Do that. Well, I guess the the one the um one I'm wondering is what time for uh uh for Thursday, but um. Yeah, I I think I think uh, you know seven seven uh, seven p.m. You know, 8 p.m. is good, you know, 7 or 8. Wednesday, you know, we're probably looking around the same time because we do have another stop to make on Wednesday. Um, right. But uh, but in any event, um, get, come on, man. Stop sitting around on the couch, man. Get some well, work I done. Tell you, I, I've had a lot of fun with Google Maps. Um, the One of the things that I think that we should try to do for just for the audience would really enjoy it is I did find where Mayweather Boxing Club is. Oh, and, no. Don't uh, do it sure to me. Don't do it to me. <laughs> but I think that we should, uh, me and Dak, should bring you there and take a nice photo of you standing in front of it. <laughs> and we could, we could put it as your um, as your header footer on, uh, header uh, profile picture on Facebook. I've been to Top Rank's uh, place, never Floyd's, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, you know, I, I'll take one for the team, you know. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, Dax, I mean, uh, Alex, I'm looking forward to uh, hooking up with you and Dax uh, this week, man. So uh, uh, make those reservations. I'm I'm already going to start fasting. We'll do, we'll do. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that um, uh, my heart goes out to uh, to Sal, and um, I am rooting for him. Uh, 100% here, and uh, he's just a great guy, and um, I really uh, wish him the very best. I'm going to try and get him on the line right now. So, uh, 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 Alex, we'll be seeing you in a couple days, brother. All right, Billy. See you. Take care. Peace. Take care. That's uh, Alex Papali, and uh, you'll be looking for him uh, next week or this week. I keep <laughs> like Dax said, uh, Alex and Dax will be there this week. Uh, I'll be showing up next week, and. Uh, uh, I'll be uh, I'll be late, but uh, uh, in any event, um, it, it's unfortunate that my man uh, uh, Sal uh, won't be uh, uh, able to uh, join us um, on uh, uh, on uh, for this uh, week um, that we're we're looking at. Um, but uh, uh, I'm going to try to get him uh, on the uh, uh, on the phone right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, because uh, uh, I, I wanted to talk with Sal uh, if he's uh, uh, going to be around. And uh, I think we might have him on the phone right now. Are you there, Sal? I am here, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, my man. And I'm so glad that we uh, have the opportunity to talk with you via phone. Uh, we just had uh, uh, some discussion with Alex and Dax and myself uh, uh, pertaining to the big fight that's taken place uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez going up against uh, Daniel Jacobs. Um, Sal, what's your thoughts on this fight, my man? Let me tell you something, Billy. I've listened to this show since 745 this morning. 
as our UK friends would say, you guys have been spot on. And let me tell you, it's an educational show. It was fabulous. Uh, you guys are right on. I, 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 the only thing I would, I do want to say is I do consider for all the multifaceted reasons you've discussed that Vasily Lomachenko in my heart of hearts is the pound for pound best fighter in the world today. I will give Terrence Crawford number two. And you know what? After next weekend, who knows where that shift may change because they're going to both look stellar. Terrence Crawford is going to, is going to stop Mir Khan and, uh, probably before five. And I love the analogy you or the guys made with Vasily Lomachenko. He's like a computer. He'll assess and he'll digress. He'll, he'll analyze and he'll take the situation with the first round. And then that, 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 that processor will go into program mode and it's all over. It's like that for whoever's on the other side of the ring. Hey, you know, Sal, you, you've been, uh, uh, tied up with your own battle. So let me fill you in. You were dead on with uh, uh, Amir Khan uh, fighting and and losing because the fight already took place and Terrence Crawford uh, um, you know, right? a, a, accidentally hit him below the belt and then Amir Khan quit. And uh, it was, uh, it was he, he quit. So that was, uh, uh, that was uh, something that already took place. So... Um, uh, we're going to miss you out in Vegas next week. Uh, I wish that, uh, or this week coming up, I wish that you were able to come, but I know you're battling your own battle right now. And, uh, from what I understand, you got your opponent against the ropes. Billy, I got a, I got the dream team of physicians. I've got the dream team of a community behind me with the prayers. And, uh, I'm going to fight the fight of my life and I'm going to win. I know you are, Sal, and uh, everybody that's uh, involved with this show um, is uh, is pulling for you and praying for you. And uh, you know, Rocky Senecola uh, didn't get the name Rocky because you uh, curled up in a corner and let your opponents beat on you. So uh, uh, I know that you're going to uh, uh, knock this thing out, and uh, we'll look forward to the next trip we take out because after you win by knockout you're not even winning by tko sal you're winning by knockout and uh and we'll get you through the good glory of god and miracles and 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 through jesus christ my lord and savior who's gonna who's gonna heal me and help me and uh i'm gonna make it pal well i know you are sal i know you're uh, uh dealing with some prep stuff now and uh we will be reaching out to you during the week and hopefully you can uh join us at least by phone uh, when we're out in Vegas on Thursday because this show is uh, certainly not the same without you, Sal. No, and, and I would love that opportunity, and, and I feel it happening, and I think it's possible. And like I said, I'm so blessed by so many people with their well wishes and prayers, and and, and, uh, and like I said, I, I feel at this time, uh, you know, I got my dream team, I got strategy, I'm going to break down and, and assess and, and do what I got to do to win. And that's what fighters do. They never, you got to fight to win, and that's what I'm doing. Well, that's Aaron Pryor's favorite line. Well, I, if, anyone, if, if anyone can fight to win uh, the way you do, everybody will win. So, uh, Sal, h- hang in there, brother. You know I love you, and uh, I'll be in touch. I love you. And, and we, will, uh, we will have you uh, uh, on the show uh, on Thursday, man. I'll be looking forward to it. 
Absolutely. And I love the Billy C fight community and, and all the, the, the people involved with it. And Billy, you created a legacy. And, uh, you know, like I said, today's show was just so informative, so educational, so spot on. And uh, there's some great fights coming up. And like, like I always said, boxing is in a reboot stage and, and, and it's going to flourish and it's going to come back. Well, it's on its way back, and you can lead. You can lead it by uh, by winning your own fight. Go win by knockout, brother. I will, my friend. I thank you so much for this opportunity. I want to say hi and thank you for to all of our community out there and fans. And and God bless and praise the Lord. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity and having me come out and say hi. Well, listen, brother. We'll be talking to you again, and it'll be on Thursday. I'll be in touch with you uh, later in the week. We will. Thank you. I appreciate it, Billy. All right. Go pay attention to what you got to do, will you? I will. Thank you, buddy. I love you, Sal. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Sal, talk to you later. Let's talk. Bye. That's my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola, um, in the fight of his life right now. And, uh, uh, you know, my prayers uh, go out to him uh, on a regular basis. Uh, uh, although we've been doing this show for uh, 15 years, and... Um, you know we have, uh, have we've had some great people involved with this show, uh, and we currently still have some great people involved with this show. Um, the show, uh, as uh, Sal's been uh, uh, in his fight, um, it's just not the same with, without Sal. And uh, um, I'm hoping that his uh, recovery is speedy, and uh, he gets uh, he gets back uh, on track uh, as soon as possible. He's in a tough one, boys and girls. Uh, he's certainly in a tough battle, but, uh, um, you know, uh, Sal is uh, the kind of guy that um, wins. He's a winner. Uh, he's won at uh, uh, the, his career in boxing uh, as a pro, as an amateur. Let's go back to the amateur stage. He won. He was a winner in the amateurs. He was a winner in the service, in the United States uh, service, in the Army. Uh, you know, he was a winner in, uh, in, in amateur boxing. Uh, he was a winner uh, in, in, in professional uh, boxing. Uh, he's a winner uh, in the business community where he uh, has been successful, uh, not only in, in his current business, uh, Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, uh, an Italian restaurant, but uh, also in, in previous ventures. Um, if you follow Sal's life, uh, you will see nothing but wins and victories and uh, overcoming challenges. Because uh, that's what Sal does. He challenges himself and then beats the challenge. Uh, Sal uh, did that when he got put in the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, when everyone told him he was nuts to come back after 25 years plus of being retired uh, from the ring. Uh, Sal uh, beat the odds and, and came back and, uh, as usual, came back as a winner. Um, I'm not... Uh, expecting him to uh, uh, not win this battle uh, because uh, when Sal puts his mind to it and when Sal focuses, um, if Sal is an unbeatable force. And uh, if anybody can focus enough uh, to beat what Sal's going through right now, it is Sal, Rocky, Senecola. And uh, right now, uh, Sal is uh, uh, torn in a lot of uh, different directions. Uh, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. 
Um, but uh, his battle is coming into focus. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, you know, by Tuesday of this upcoming week, he will be able to totally focus uh, on the battle at hand. He's been going through some stages of uh, maybe pre-battle battle, battle uh, preparing himself, his body, etc., uh, for what's uh, uh, going to be coming up. And um, uh, I know uh, by Tuesday he will be uh, finished with uh, the first part of it and uh, we'll be entering in uh, the main part uh, afterwards. And uh, uh, I am uh, very confident that, uh, that my man will come out victorious. So uh, prayers for my man Sal Rocky Senecola. He's a winner, always has been, and always will be. So uh, take that one to the bank. Anyway, we look forward to seeing you guys um, either uh, on air or out in Vegas with us. Uh, we will be uh, in town in Las Vegas on Wednesday. We will be doing our show on Thursday. Uh, please check out BillyCBoxing.com uh, and all of our social media. Uh, Dax will be working on that. We will be getting some preliminary articles out. Um, if you're not coming to Vegas, and if you're not getting tickets to the T-Mobile Arena, uh, make sure that you uh, have DAZN because that's where this great mega fight will be shown on DAZN, uh, D-A-Z-N. You can uh, get that streaming device. It's only $19.99 a month. And uh, if you are coming out to Vegas, make sure you stay at the MGM. That's where we'll be, and uh, we'll be looking forward to it. So, uh, hey, boys and girls, don't forget to pray for my man Sal Rocky Senecola. And the next time uh, you see us, uh, we'll be live in Las Vegas for a long broadcast. And I can't wait. Uh, so, uh, hey, make sure you tune in. Uh, you know the day. You know the time. Until then, ciao, baby.